I'll tell you, there is something about this word. I don't think that the enemy's trying to stop it. I just think God was like, hold up. Ain't time yet. Well, ain't time yet, you know. Um, so this word has been like, what, three weeks delayed now? I, I, the Lord led me to stop the message early, like two weeks, two weeks ago, yeah, and Susie Anderson last week, and so apparently today's the day. Today is the day to continue and to bring this message, and so I, personally, I look at it, and I don't think there's anything all that, um, and this feels mean to say because it's the word I'm bringing, but you know, anything all that special about this message, but... Apparently, it's going to unlock some things for you in your life this morning. It's going to unlock some things for you, um, you know, and Lord knows we need it, you know. We've got some ladies here, they need wisdom of the Lord of how to walk through this healing. You know, we know the Lord is going to do it, but we've got to keep in step with the Spirit in life uh, to, to live a prosperous, successful life uh, in every way, in absolutely every way. And so we're going to be continuing where we left off. Um, we know that Jesus shared in, oh, <laughs> I went back an extra slide, in Matthew chapter 13 about why he spoke in parables so often. And he said it was all about the secrets of the kingdom of God. It, he, essentially, he was hiding them in plain sight. You know, he had them all packaged up so that the people who were seeking the kingdom of God, man, they just got it. They understood it. Um, and it was fruitful and effective in their lives. But the people who are like, who is this Jesus dude? And what is he about? And, you know, they just like, whatever. He's just babbling about, you know, fishing again or babbling about, you know, going off and scattering seed again. And, you know, it just made no sense to them. They just didn't get it. Um, it's no different today. But the thing is, the, the secrets of the kingdom of God, this isn't mysticism and, you know, and whatnot, um, in fact, I'm, I'm really excited because for those of you who missed the men's and ladies events yesterday, I mean, you missed something good. So good. Um, it's, it's apparently becoming common language in our family because Bethany said she was wielding the uh, sword of silence yesterday. She... <laughs> I love it. And, and for those of you who missed the men's, oh my goodness. I mean, Daryl, he was not spoke up highly enough. You should have seen what he did. He took the revelation um, that was given to Daniel, and he overlaid it with the book of Revelation that was given to John. And, and he, he shared with us the purposes and the names of the seven spirits of God. And then he used that to decode. And now we all know our name in heaven that is written on that white stone. Woo! No, not really. <laughs> I'm sorry, not really. But it was, it was a really good word, though. Really challenging who Jesus is to us. And I know that has been like a, a heart-piercing word that, that I'm really, you know, letting, letting the Spirit do work in my life, you know, through it. Who is Jesus to us? So, uh, yeah, it was a great time of, uh, of fellowship. I mean, the guys, I mean, I, we laughed the whole time. My gut was hurting by the end. <laughs> Not to mention the good food, you know, that we had leftovers of. And isn't that just like the kingdom? Like, there's enough leftovers for the ladies to have brunch, and then the ladies to have lunch, and there were still leftovers after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways the kingdom's so good but thank you daryl for sharing it was a good word and uh, how many deer did you guys go and slaughter yesterday after that's awesome that's awesome yeah but again being a part of the fellowship of christian athletes here at west shimokan that connection to the high school going out and taking the kids out on the uh, youth hunt um, so, man, just appreciate you ministering and serving in those ways. And welcome to New Hope. We love that here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> awesome. Feels like home. Yeah, <laughs> I know I got deer walking right up to me, you know? <laughs> some people have some stories about me. There's a, I'm... No, I'm not, I don't know. I, I won't share them here. I don't know if the game commission's listening or not. But any, yeah, the word. Becky's Becky's given me the Becky's giving me the cue. Back to the kingdom of God. But the thing is, you know, it, again, it's not something mystical. These secrets of the kingdom of God. God releases revelation into our lives to make a practical impact, to save our lives, to. Um, and to not only save our lives, but to save the lives of those around us, to give us wisdom and insight for life. 
you know, there are secrets in the kingdom of God that will stop that fight between you and your spouse that you just, over and over and over again, you feel like a broken record, you know. There's secrets in the kingdom of God that can unlock, you know, like, why is it that enough is never enough? I just can't make ends meet ever. I mean, you know, it's, the word of God is very practical. You know, he, he, he wants your life to be a living example of what he can do in and through your life. And that is why we seek after God. That is why we pursue these secrets. Um, it's nothing mystical, you know. It's, it's really practical. So I just want to kind of give that, that cue up front as we kind of go into this. Um, we also learned a few weeks ago that, uh, that the kingdom of God, Jesus said in Matthew 13, it's like a, a house. And the owner of the house goes into all these different storerooms. And I just, like, I read books growing up, and, and, you know, even recently I watched a couple of series, you know, that are streaming about these, like, houses, and there's all these secret rooms, and there's all these things to explore and discover and find, and I just love that kind of thing. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is like, according to Jesus. There are storerooms, storehouses of treasure that are stored there for you to find, it's kind of like an adult Easter egg hunt. You know, you go and you have fun in the kingdom finding these secrets. It's exciting. It's great. If you read the word of God and you're living in the kingdom and it's boring, you're not doing it right. Like, you know, we need to talk because there's nothing boring about being a Christian. It's exciting. It's an adventure. And in fact, we, know, we learned that it was God's great joy to reveal these hidden things, right? Um, and when we receive that revelation... Jesus said that he'll give us even more in a greater measure. We also did learn, actually, from Daniel a few weeks ago, as you can go back and listen to that online or whatnot, um, that Daniel actually received such lofty revelations that he literally was laid out. He fainted, he passed out, and he was out for days. He was actually physically sick. That's how heavy and lofty these revelations were that were given to him. He was entrusted with all of that. But we know why Daniel was entrusted with it. Because he was so humble. He's like, I'm nothing. And nobody's anything. But there is a God in heaven. Right? I'm nothing. But there is a God. And he is everything. And he is the revealer of secrets. Whew. So if we have that attitude, like... We will be given even more revelation into the kingdom of heaven. So the question is, you know, God is always working, always working. But according to Jesus in Matthew 13, the question is, are we perceiving it? Are we perceiving what he is up to? He's always speaking, but are we hearing him and understanding what he is saying? And it takes the Holy Spirit within us. If you put your faith in Jesus, you've been given that deposit. If you've been given that deposit, guess what? you got an open account in heaven, and it can contain way more. You can get filled overflowing, right? There's no FDIC in the kingdom of heaven. You can just keep adding and adding and adding, and there's always more. And you'll never lose it. In fact, you store up treasures in heaven, nothing can steal it away. So it's just, it's awesome. So if we're going to be honest this morning, however... Be looking a little bit at words. As apparently, the Holy Spirit already knew we were going to talk about. He's kind of sharing a little bit about that already. I love how he does that. But we speak so many idle words, don't we? As my, I mean, he passed away now, but as my dad used to call me, he used to call me diarrhea mouth. It's like, when are you going to stop? Like, you know? That's how he would stop fights that we were having, you know? Because, man, I was. It was actually about trying to get him saved, but he's like, when are you going to quit? Just stop. Like, you know, he got shut up about this. I got saved as a teenager just anyways. Awesome testimony. But um, we speak so many idle words, don't we? We can speak words that encourage and build people up. That's what we're called to do. We can just speak a bunch of nonsense. That Did that really need to be said? I mean, do we really? I don't know. We can also speak a lot of mean, hateful things that tear people down. And the really sad reality, if we're honest with ourselves this morning, is usually we speak the latter to those that we love the most and are closest to. We can be rough sometimes. But there is tremendous power in speaking just the right word at just the right time. It can transform atmospheres. It can transform lives. It can literally save lives, your life, and those around you. We're currently in the process of training up our second teen driver, Megan! Woo! 
Yeah. She tried to slice her finger off at work yesterday. It, I told her I'm going to get a picture so she can tell the difference between bread and flesh. I know Jesus said that if you... <laughs> he said he's the bread of life, but we don't want to go slicing and dicing. So she got stitches for the first time. She, she said she must be a snitch. I don't know. But um, <laughs> she's doing great. Nate, Nate I'm, I'm, I'm driving out of the driveway this morning, and I'm like, hey, bud. What happened to the bumper? It, there's a pretty big dent there. How'd that happen? Oh, it, it, it's in the shape of a pole, not a vehicle backing into you. I mean, you didn't feel something at some point, you know. Like, we're 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 going with it, right? But anyways, second team driver. We got another one coming up here. So we have learned. The power and the effectiveness at just the right word at just the right time. Like, stop! Person! Red! It's red! We have saved so many lives by declaring and proclaiming just the right word at just the right time. <laughs> right? I mean... It's funny, but it's, it's reality, and it's, no, it's a reality in the kingdom of God. God will give you just the right word at just the right time. Oh, and I'm sure many of us here this morning can testify of when you were at your lowest, or when you were broken, or you were overwhelmed, and God's word came at just the right time. It might have come through a teaching on the radio, or literally reading your Bible, or a friend, or the Holy Spirit just speaks it to you. Just the right word at just the right time, and it changes everything, right? Hmm. These are what we refer to in the kingdom culture as now words. Now words. Um, in the Greek language, the Bible uses the Greek word kairos. Kairos. And if you've ever listened to Eminem, that's, you never have, right? I think we just had a CD burning ceremony the other day where we got rid of those albums, but anyways... Woo! Um, you know, you only got one chance. These are these here and now moments in time that you will not get that moment over again. Kairos moments, here and now. We call them divine appointments. And God will give you now words for those now times. And those are times you don't get to live over again. And a lot of us have experienced those Kairos moments in the negative. You look back and you're like, ah, oh, like if I just, you know. But we've also experienced Kairos moments where, man, I was glad that I was there in that. God had me at just the right place at just the right time. Yeah, how many times have we shared that? I know I've shared testimonies of, like, I was so stressed out. We were running late, and this happened, and that happened, and whatever. But, man, if all of those negative things that I thought were negative in life hadn't happened, I wouldn't have been there at that time to help that guy, and he probably would have died, you know? Someone would have run him over. Like, you know, so many times we've experienced things like that. And then you're like, oh, God, you're good. Like, man, you, you knew what you were doing. What I thought, it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, what, what's his name in, the, in Genesis? Uh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. We're married. We're one. You're supposed to be able to read my mind, right? You, 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 you know I can read your mind all the time, right? Joseph. You know, God told Joseph, or no, Joseph called, called, told his brothers, rather. Joseph told his brothers that you, you know, you had planned to destroy me, but what you planned for evil, God used for good. You know, we, we look at our lives and we're like, man, my life is falling apart. And God's like, no, 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 just wait, hang in there. I got something good waiting for you, right? You know, woo, good stuff. But God gives us these, these now words for those kairos moments. If you share that word a little too early, it'll make no sense. If you share it too late, well, it's too late. You know, it's too late. And then whatever damage is done is done. But the right word spoken at just the right time is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. That's why God calls us to keep in step with the Spirit so that we can live life in the now. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually biblical to live life in the here and now, uh, to be present in the moment and to make sure God's presence is present with you in the moment. Um, God is aware of these divine moments and these appointments in our lives, and we don't want to miss out on them at all. Um, 
Jesus also mentioned Matthew 13 that not only can we bring out new fresh treasures, but there's also old treasures, right? Oh, yeah, Kairos, never mind, I'm a little behind here. There's also old treasures. There's so much wisdom that we can gain from words of the past. Not only in your own life, you can learn from your past experiences, but there's so much wisdom found, written in, in ancient words. I mean, that's really the Bible is that, right? It, the, the Bible is a living example of a living word. It was written by over like, what, 40 men over the course of, you know, hundreds of years. And, but um, I should know these things. And I do know these things. They're just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the moment right now. But anyways, but yet their words because they were authored by the Holy Spirit, are alive and active. Those words that were, you know, penned centuries ago, they become here and now words. Uh, there's so much wisdom found in that. Um, so that's why it's important for us to memorize, to know, to study, to meditate on God's Word. Because those ancient words come to life in your spirit when the Holy Spirit illuminates them, and they become now words. You know, you'll, you'll face something in life. You'll face a big decision that you've got to make right now. And if you've got his word hidden in your heart, boom, you can, the Holy Spirit can pull that word out of that storehouse of your heart and bring it to light so you know exactly what to do, exactly what to do here and now. In fact, Paul told Timothy that there's another kind of word that he can use to fight his battles so that they come to pass. And those are prophetic words. We love prophetic words here at New Hope, if you haven't noticed. Prophetic words uh, in the kingdom culture, they are intended for a future time that has yet to come. Right? That's really all that they are. They're a word that um, will become a now word later. Uh, they can be specific insight into God's plans and purposes for, uh, for anything. For a life, for a, a, a city, for a nation, for uh, you name it. You know, for a, a culture. Um, and they can also be warnings about future events and, and wisdom of how to navigate through them. You know, some, uh, all prophecy is supposed to be encouraging to build people up, but we see throughout the Word of God, a lot of prophecy was a warning in nature, especially in the Old Testament. God's like, God would send the prophets and be like, listen, you're going the wrong way. You're screwing up. You gotta stop doing this stuff, or something really bad's gonna happen. And everyone's like, I ain't listening to that word, I won't accept that. And then it comes to pass, you know? And then they're like, oh, wait, I remember, yeah, yeah, I said something about that. Oh, Lord, forgive us. And then God brings them back from the four corners of the earth, and it was a repetitive thing over and over and over again. And guess what? I bet each and every one of us here today have been stubborn like the Israelites. God gave us a word, and we're like, yeah, but I'd rather do this. And then we're like, oh, I should have listened. And then you get, yeah, right? Anybody? That's my life as a Christian. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if it's not your life, let me know the wisdom and insight how not to do that. But, but prophetic words, they're powerful. They have a purpose in our lives. Um, you know, to, to let us know what God's plan is in some situation and how to navigate through it. In fact, the Apostle Paul encouraged us in 1 Corinthians 14 to eagerly desire all the gifts of the Spirit, but he said especially the gift of prophecy. Why prophecy? Because it builds up the body. Prophecy is not just for me, it's for you, as all the gifts of the Spirit are, right? So we can build up and mature, and um, all of us can receive the gift of prophecy. We can give prophetic words, but God has also given us, according to Ephesians 4, um, the, the role or the office of prophet, you know, along with teacher, evangelist, pastor, and I'm probably forgetting one apostle, yeah. Uh, the fivefold ministry. Prophet is one of those. So the body of Christ can be built up, matured, complete, lacking nothing. We need prophetic words because we know that the days are evil, things are getting rough, things are getting difficult, so we need the prophetic word of God. So we got something to stand on, to declare until it comes to pass. Just like Abraham and Sarah, right? They admitted the fact, but they stood on the word of God. God made me a promise, and it will come to pass. And it came to pass. Even though it was impossible by human means and standards, God stood by his word. And so if you have a prophetic word and it has not yet come to pass, sometimes God just loves to show off. He waits till things are impossible, because then... 
Everybody who sees that thing come to pass can only declare there is a God in heaven, <laughs> right? There is a God, because only he could make that happen. So don't give up. The more impossible, actually, I would encourage you in this, the more impossible things seem, and the more that rises up against that prophetic word, get excited. It's Christmas Eve. Your promise is on its way, right? Yeah. Don't let the enemy steal away your hope. Let hope arise. Let faith arise. Yeah, because God is able, right? Now, some prophetic words, and there's also prophetic actions, right? They can seem really bizarre and confusing and like nonsense at the time. They really can. I read through the Old Testament, some of the things that God had some of the prophets do. I'm like, why? But God had a purpose in it. And really what makes prophecy seem that way at times is because it's about a future time. It may not make sense to you here and now. I don't know how many times our families look back and like, oh, <laughs> that's what God was talking about. And you need that word here and now. You understood what God was talking about when you're walking through it. But back at the time, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, our family doesn't have that. And, you know, it's like, you must have missed that one, buddy, you know. <laughs> but then you come to find out, oh, God knew something that I didn't know. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Shouldn't surprise us, but it does sometimes. So, you know, the, the, the nature of, pro, of the prophetic can seem odd sometimes. So it's wise, and I encourage you to do this, to record those words, to refer back to them, because at just the right time, they become now words where you understand what God was talking about, what God was warning you about, what God was saying would come to pass. And I'm telling you, oh my goodness, the, the way that prophecy has... Yeah, I remember the first time that we experienced, can I share this? The first time we experienced prophecy was actually here in this place. Dennis Kramer came and he, he shared a prophetic word with me. And a uh, typical prophetic word. God is going to double my salary. Woo! That, that's a good word. I mean, come on. I was skeptical. Very skeptical. A couple of months later, you know what God did? Our HR department found out that I was doing a lot of things that my supervisor is taking credit for. When that truth came out, they're like, we're going to move you to a different department. And guess what they did? They doubled my salary. <laughs> it literally happened. Yeah. And then, like, what, four years later, guess what God did? God said, all right, son, calling you to full-time ministry. It's time to less than half that. And guess what we did? Yes, Lord. <laughs> right? And it, it, there's times and seasons for everything. But living life in the here and now, prophecy is a big part of living life here. Do you get what I'm saying? Every word is a now word, and it, I guess this is what I'm trying to make sense of. Whether it is an ancient word, whether it's a now word, whether it's a prophetic word, God is eternal. They're all now words to him, because <laughs> he is present in every moment. And so it's important for us to value value the word of God no matter what shape or form it comes in, no matter when it's given. Because at some point in your life, it's going to become a now word that you're going to need. You're going to need to stand on it. You're going to need to declare it and proclaim it. You may have to give praise for that now word before it happens, right? Just like David did. But then it came to pass. God's word always comes to pass. It just always does. Um, and God's word, it's alive and active, right? Alive and active. That's what his word says about itself. It's unlike any other book that we could ever read. Even historical accounts that are found in God's word. Because a lot of things that you read, they're just historical facts. They're just something that happened. But even those historical documented facts can become now words as we see history reliving itself. That has a tendency to happen, right? <laughs> we see it, and so we can, we can discern what God is up to through it. Because we can see what God did in the past and what he could potentially do in the here and now. Um, Jesus often even quoted the Old Testament scriptures that pertain to himself or to those around him. The, the apostles and the other writers of the New Testament, they continue to do the same. They quoted the Old Testament all the time because it's just it's God's word. You know, it's not like the Old Testament is like, you know, you, you 
I don't know, you put a nail in it, it's done, you know, it's, it's, a, it's the living word of God, it's still just as, uh, it, was, it was a shadow, a foreshadowing of things to come, now we live in the reality, so now we can look back and be like, oh, that's what you're talking about, like Isaiah, like you're talking about some dude that was like a broken reed, and is smitten, and afflicted, and you know, people, and, and you're like, that was Jesus he was talking about, because we can see it on this side of history, because we look through the reality to the prophetic, we're like, oh, yeah, at the time, people were probably like, what, what were you eating this morning? Because that makes no sense at all, right? But we see it come to pass. We see the reality. They, I love just this, this, this fact. You know, people in the New Testament were quoting prophetic words that happened hundreds and in some cases even thousands of years beforehand. And they said, that was us. What Jeremiah, what Isaiah spoke about was us. You know? Um, just think about that. That is so cool that God gave a prophetic word to some dude that I've never even met before, and he wrote it about me. And God felt the need to record it and to translate it into all these different languages so that I could receive that word about me. Like, it's, just, it's so cool. You know, I just, I'm sorry, it just blows me away. I just love it. Every time you see that happen, um, you know, they would quote things that they were experiencing right then and there, and they're like, this is what they were talking about. This, this is, God knew this was going to happen. This is what that psalm was written about. And then they, they walked it out. In fact, in the King James translation of the Bible, we often find the phrase, I love this phrase, these are they. I think I talked about this a few weeks ago, but I just love it. It's so awesome to read the ancient words of people that we've never, ever, ever met, and they, they, they're, they're writing about us. We are the fulfillment. Hebrews 11, uh, you know, Lisa Bevere just spoke about this in the Girls of Swords. I know it's Girls of Swords, but I got so much out of that study, too, because it's a study on the Word of God. But anyways, you know, the, the Hebrews 11, like, they were all giving of themselves and sacrificing themselves, and they were doing it for us. They never received the reality. In fact, the Bible says that angels long to look into some of these things that we receive, that we get to walk out. Like, how cool is that? Angels who dwell in the kingdom, who have saw the face of God, and yet they long to experience the things that we're experiencing here and now. We should get more excited about the kingdom. I mean, this is awesome, right? Oh, but that's so cool. These are they. That, that, you know, the, so, so we are them. I am they. I'm the one that, that... Jesus prayed for you. Did you know that? John 17. He prayed for you personally, and it's recorded in the Bible. He prayed for you. Take a look at it. Matthew 17, the prayer he prayed. Anyways, I'm, I'm, i got to move on because it's, it's too exciting to me. But anyways... The Apostle Paul wrote this. We're going to go to the Word of God, right? To 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And, um, yeah, we're going to be ending soon, but I'm going to read the whole way through it. So, strap in. Here we go. Ready? You can turn there if you want. I'm reading from the NIV just because that's my default, but, you know, any translation is good. You can't go wrong with the Word of God. Um, some translations, like, you might not want to check out the Book of Mormon too much. I mean, we can talk about those things in another place another time. Uh, you know... Those guys that come and knock on your door when they give you a, a Bible, like, you know, anyways, we'll talk about another, another time, right, another study. First Corinthians chapter 2, and so it was with me, Paul's speaking about himself, brothers and sisters, he said, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom, because we don't need, in this time, we don't need new discoveries, new wisdom, and new knowledge, we don't need more of the things of the world, we need more of the kingdom. We need more of his power. We need more of his love being manifest out. It would solve so many issues. And that's what Paul said. I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom. And trust me, this dude was so educated, so well educated. He could speak so well. I mean, he was a, he was a uh, Pharisee, actually, at one point. You know, he, he was determined to, to put an end to this Christianity thing. But when he came, he didn't come with any of those things. He laid all of his humanity aside. All those things that, that, that people in the world value. Using big words and, you know, and all this stuff. He said all those things that he could do aside. And he said, I simply proclaim to you the testimony about God. He said in verse 2, I actually resolved to know nothing. 
You're just a big dummy while I was with you. Accept Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. This is probably one of the greatest missionaries that ever walked the face of the earth. Right? I mean, he literally transformed nations, cities, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you're afraid to go talk to that person that God is uh, calling you to talk to, and if you do it and you're scared to death and you're actually trembling because you're not sure what to say or how you're going to say it, you're among good company. Paul came with great fear and trembling. Guess what? He was still effective and powerful. So there you go. Do it anyways, right? Even when you're scared, even when you're trembling, do it anyways. Because it ain't about you. It's all about God who's leading you, right? Let he, he does all the hard work. All you have to say is, yes, Lord. <laughs> right? That's it. We, we make it so complicated. He resolved not nothing. Okay, he came a week as grateful and trembling. He said in verse 4, my message and my preaching, they weren't with wise and persuasive words. You know, we, sometimes we, think, we feel like we have to intellectually win someone over for Christ. And I love apologetics. I love studying and defending the faith. But I've never been able to talk someone into the kingdom of God. Never once. I mean, I've had so many arguments and I've won so many debates with people. And I've lost some debates with people. But it never led them into the kingdom. You know what leads people in the kingdom of God? His loving kindness that draws them in. An experience with God. I've seen more people say by sharing a word of knowledge with them that I don't know who you are and I don't know why I know this, but I just know this. And that catches attention. The gifts of the Spirit have led more people. Anyways, um, i got to stop talking and start preaching here. So, we go back. To my message, um, he said that he didn't use preaching that were with wise and persuasive words, but rather with a demonstration of the Spirit's power and he said he did this intentionally. There was a purpose behind this. He could have used wise and persuasive words. He could have intellectually won them over. But he said he came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that their faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Then he goes on and he said, but we do speak a message of wisdom among the mature. But not the wisdom of this age, not the rulers of this age who are going to come to nothing. No, rather we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Whew. Before time began. Oh my goodness. It's just so powerful to think about. Before time began, you were on God's heart. You were on God's mind. He planned to fill you with his glory. He planned to fill you with his power so that you could reach people. It's amazing to think about. Nothing happens by accident, right? Right, Nate? That bumper? Okay, anyways. <laughs> you gotta love being a PK. Anyways. <laughs> he said, no, rather we declare God's wisdom. This, he said um, that none, in verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it. Because if they had, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, again, quoting the Old Testament, quoting the Old Testament, as it's written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, these are the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Woo! Sometimes we stop short there. Look at verse 10. These are also the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. Woo! God wants to reveal those things that no mind has ever even conceived. He wants to reveal those things to you. In fact, he goes on, he says, the spirit searches all things. Even the deep things of God. Because who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received, it's not the spirit of the world, but it is the spirit of God. So that we may understand the things freely given to us by God. 
So we're not like the Beverly Hillbillies wandering around that mansion having no idea what this darn gum thing is, you know? I mean, God gave you his kingdom. He knew that you were going to be clueless. You have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea what this thing is that just happened or this, that you're going through. So he gave you the spirit so that you might understand the things freely given to you by God. Right? That's why he gave you the spirit. And he goes on, he says, this is why we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but rather words taught by the spirit. We got our own vocabulary. We do. If you've never hung out around church Christian culture, we have our own vocabulary. We just do. But God intended it. God purposed it. You don't have to be ashamed of it. We're going to talk about this in depth here. He said that these words taught by the Spirit explain spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. person without the Spirit doesn't accept these things. That's why you can't intellectually win someone in the kingdom of God, because it makes no sense. Because, amen, it makes no sense. I, I, it makes no sense to me, but it is. And I love that it is. It's awesome being a part of the kingdom, even though I can't make any sense of it. It's okay. Verse 14, you know, doesn't accept it. In fact, the person without the Spirit of God considers them foolishness. They can't understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit, oh, here's, here's the sort of thing. I just shared this verse with Bethany actually the other day because she's like, we're not supposed to judge, right? I'm like, judge in the English language is such a tricky word. You're not supposed to like condemn people and look down on them and criticize them. You're not supposed to judge in that way. But oh, son and daughter of God, you are supposed to make a judgment about all things. All things. Why? Because it goes on. Because you don't judge by human standards, by mere human judgments. You judge according to the Spirit. So we don't judge and condemn. We don't judge in that way. We're definitely not supposed to judge. As if you read Matthew chapter 7 and you read the first, judge not, lest you be judged. And then you ignore the rest of Matthew 7, where Jesus teaches you how to make a right judgment, how to look at the fruit of somebody's life and discern. I mean, he goes, I just love that. But, but you know, anyways, another message for another time. I'm sorry. Um, and he says in verse 16, because who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit within you. And who knows the mind of somebody except for their spirit? Who knows the mind of God except for the spirit? That's what we just read. We have the Holy Spirit within us. So guess what that gives us access to? The mind of Christ. Woo! We can know what God is thinking about something. We can know what's on his mind because his spirit is within us. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says when you don't know how to pray, the spirit within you intercedes because he knows your heart. He knows your mind because he's dwelling with your spirit, cohabitating inside of our life. It, I can't explain it, but it's just a reality. And he also knows the mind of Christ, so he makes perfect intercession. And how does he do that? Through groans and inexpressible words. Through praying in the Spirit, right? You're praying to uh, Just anyways, another message for another time. Okay, so. Aren't you so glad that today is once again Football Sunday? The NFL has repented of its evil, wicked ways. And games are on Sundays again, right? But think about this. Okay, wipe your mind clean. And think about this. This is, sounds like a bunch of nonsense. You know, it's, it's fourth down. You're in the red zone. There's only two yards, you know, to the end zone. So there's no need for Hail Mary at this time, right? You know, there's only two seconds left on the clock. There's no more timeouts left. I mean, it's, it's just, so then all of a sudden, last minute, quarterback calls an audible, just a few seconds left on the play clock. Their offensive line was configured for a last second run into the end zone. But then all of a sudden, when the snap happens, the quarterback comes back passes and there's you know they're in the end zone it's a touchdown finally no flags on the play it's over game over there's, there's they're now four and oh leading afc north so it makes you wonder you know is this going to be the year which i don't think this is going to be the year that they finally uh put that seventh ring on their finger huh yeah. now us here we know what we're talking about right no 
It's a bunch of nonsense to anybody who doesn't follow American football. I mean, think about this. You know, you, you got two groups of just these huge, overgrown 300-pounders smashing into each other as hard as they can. And then all of a sudden, this wee little guy with these black and he got striped shirt, he throws this little flag, and they just all stop. And then he goes out, and he's like, makes all these hand motions, and the whole crowd is like, no, no. And then the other side of the crowd is like, yeah. It looks like a bunch of nonsense. But to somebody who knows American football, they know exactly what those hand signals meant. You know, oh, false start, you know, yeah, you know, 15-yard penalty. I mean, you know, they know exactly what it means. This is funny, but American football has its own culture, has its own language, has its own resources. Oh, millions of dollars, right? People go to these places, they, pace, they, they paint their face, they wave their flags, you know, and we don't think twice about it because we're a part of that culture. Well, some of us are. <laughs> but why is it that you go to church and if you go over here and you grab one of these and, you know, and you're waving it, oh. <laughs> That's why I don't do this because somebody will get injured. Here we go. There's, there's the terrible towel, right? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> That's why I don't do this. You know, you're waving around. I mean, you know, you anyways, I do look silly. But anyways, you know, it's crazy if you do that in the church. But if you go to a football game, it's, it's normal, you know. You know, they got their music going. And anyways, but think about that, you know, and it just it's crazy. So it's not so crazy to think if football can have all these things, of course, the kingdom of God has its own language has its own resources, you know, and, and if you're in the kingdom, you just get it. If you're not in the kingdom, it's a bunch of nonsense, right? It just is. Just like, you know, non-American football makes no sense to me, you know? I'm like, they're all excited that they scored like two goals, and that's like a huge win. And I'm like, you played for how many hours? And that's all you scored? Like, that's just exhausting for me to even think about. And your field is how big? And you're running, oh, man, like, that is, anyways... Football, you know, I don't, I don't get it. But, but you know, if, it's the same if you hang out around anybody of any trade, you know? I mean, the other day, I, you know, Daryl will get this, you know, I went and I bought a flange, and, you know, I saw this set, and I'm like, oh, a flange with a nipple. I'm like, Bethany, look, do I, don't I need another nipple, you know? And then I go home, and I jump in the shower, and I'm like, I should have grabbed that nipple. <laughs> like, people of trade have their own language, and they know what you're talking about, and they get it, Right? You know, it just, it sounds like nonsense to other people. I mean, you know, auto mechanics, they have their own language that they understand and it's nonsense to other people. Carpenters, plumbers, even us software developers, you know, they, they know what a flange nut is or aerator or camber or differential or a harmonic compensator. I know what a stack trace and object of inv invocation is, you know, I mean, we have our own language and those in your same culture, they get it. Becky, please stand up because... Every time I see this shirt, I'm like, what are you doing? Because I watch Star Trek. I'm like, you're a Trekkie, but you're in a red shirt. Like, this is not good. It's not going to end well for you, right? And, and Trekkies get it. <laughs> but anyways, I'm sorry. It's... I'm not. <laughs> That's not her intent, and she hates it every time I say it. She'll probably never wear that shirt again now that I've... Anyways. Okay, so why do we accept this? everywhere else in the natural world, but when we read things about how we don't speak with words taught with human wisdom, but words taught the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words, why do we think that that's odd and strange? And church people are weird. I want nothing to do with that. Why? You know, because it, we accept it everywhere else, and so we accept it here. So that, that's why Paul said this. Um, you know, but what do you call it when you ask someone what their name is and they say, we are legion for we are many. I mean, what do you call that? Like demon possession. I mean, you know, dude's got some demons in there. I don't know what else to call that. There's no earthly explanation for that. You know, I mean, it's just a spiritual word for spiritual reality. Um, you know, we, we use words like manifestation, impartation, discernment, sanctification, baptism, regeneration, anointing. We talk about tongues and so on and so forth. Why? Because, first of all, those are the words that the Bible uses to explain them. 
Literally, we're not making something up. It's what the Bible says. It's, it's what God called it. It's what Jesus called it. He's like, he's walking around with his disciples. And he's like, well, you know, this is what's going on here. This kind, this only comes out through prayer. How could they know that? It wasn't written anywhere in the Old Testament. So you're going to encounter things that are not written in the Word of God. The Word of God shows us times when people encounter things that weren't in the Word of God. It's why we need the Holy Spirit within us. Spirit taught words for spiritual realities, spiritual revelations. Some of the things that you're dealing with in life, the reason that you've never gained victory in them is because it's not a worldly thing you're dealing with. You're dealing with something that has a spiritual root. And the only way you're ever going to get rid of that thing in your life is if you cut it at the root and you demolish that thing in the spirit, right? It's just a reality. And you're going to make yourself miserable by trying to overcome it by worldly means. It's just going to pop up somewhere else because it is spiritual in nature. Um, if you hang out in an auto repair shop for a while, you'll pick up new terms too, right? They'll, they'll, you'll know how to use a ball joint splitter and you'll know how to press in new ones. and You'll know all these things. The longer you hang out there, the better you will get at discerning what's happening with that car that isn't working right. And you'll know exactly how to fix it, right? The longer you hang out in that shop, you will learn how to discern things. When they say, when they say we need to do this job, you'll go grab the right tools. You'll know exactly how to use them, right? Well, welcome to God's auto repair shop, right? <laughs> and it's okay. I've been, at, you know, I've been over at auto repair shops and all the mechanics are scratching their head like, I got no idea what's going on here. So it's okay. In God's auto repair shop, be like, Jesus, like, I, this ain't working. What's, what's, what, what do we need here, you know? What tool do we need here and how do we use it? And, and if you use it wrong, and Nate, how many times have we been in the garage? I'll be like, uh, buddy. You need to turn that the other direction, you know? That's okay. We learn together. We grow together. That's what this is about. And we can have fun with it. But the longer you hang out, that's why online church is so detrimental to the body. You, you know, you can learn some things on YouTube, right? But I'm no mechanic, you know? But if you hang out with people and you live life together, you learn and you grow together. It's no different in the church, in the kingdom of God, as it is going out and hanging out with Daryl doing some plumbing. You'll learn things from him, right? You will. The more you hang out with Jesus and with his people, you'll learn his culture. You'll learn to grow and to mature and to be successful in life, right? That is why discipleship is so important. Discipleship is not just knowing the Word of God. Discipleship is about knowing the kingdom and being a part of it. That's why the, the way that Jesus discipled people was to live life together. That's how Jesus made disciples. He didn't say, let's sit down in this class, and there's nothing wrong with that. He didn't say, sit down in this class, learn this, repeat this, recite this, okay, you're good then. You know, there, there's importance and there's value in doing that. But if you don't walk out of that classroom and go live it out together, it's pointless. It's purposeless, right? You get puffed up, but love builds up, right? Okay, anyways, um, finishing up. So, Jesus said there's secret hidden things within the storehouses of his kingdom and that he wants to reveal them to you. He wants to reveal them to you. He doesn't want you to be ignorant about what discernment is. He doesn't want you to be ignorant about pride. He wants you to know what it is, be able to, to discern it, to figure it out, and know how to deal with it. He wants you to be effective in life and effective in his kingdom. He doesn't want you wandering around the streets of his kingdom clueless, just bumping through life. He wants you to live intentionally and purposefully he wants you to grab a hold of his word and live it out and declare it and proclaim it and to speak just the right word at just the right time to just the right person to unleash the kingdom here on earth. That's who he wants us to be. We receive everything from him free through simple faith. And then guess what? We get to do with the things we freely receive. We get to freely give them away. It's fun. It's exciting. Right? Right? 
And the more that you receive and the more that you give away, guess what Jesus said in Matthew 13? The more he'll give you. It's an unlimited supply. There's never a lack in the kingdom of God. So the question for us as we close is, will we choose to live this way? Will we intentionally seek after the kingdom, putting it first? Because those who seek, receive. Those who knock, the door will be answered and ask, ask, seek, knock. Yeah, anyways, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because you're in the kingdom. You know the word I'm referring to, even though I flub it up and get it all wrong. You know what I'm talking about, right? I love it. Kingdom people. Kingdom people. Mm. So let's just close in prayer. So Jesus, we thank you for who you are. You are the one true living God. We thank you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for everything you are and everything you do for us. We thank you for being the revealer of mysteries. We thank you for adopting us into your family, that we're a part of this kingdom. We're princesses. We're princesses. We're royalty. We have full access to the, the grandness of your kingdom. And Lord, you have entrusted us as ambassadors of the kingdom of God to freely take from your storehouses and to place them here on the earth where they are needed. We thank you for the, the boundless riches that you have unlocked to us in your kingdom. So Lord, help us to be ones that represent you well. Help us to live our lives to their fullest, making the most of every opportunity. Help us to be ones that carry your kingdom here on the earth so that people can experience you. Not hear about you, not believe this or that about you, but have a personal relationship with you. Help us to be like Paul, who go to people in fear and trembling, but who go to them with your power so that their faith doesn't rest on us, so that their faith rests on you, the immovable, unshakable rock of ages. Whew. Thank you. What more can we do, Jesus? Just thank you. Help us to have fun living out our faith. Help us to dust off this old moldy religious mindset that we have. Get rid of it and embrace this now living word within us. In your name, amen.